Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. All right. Hey, let's, let's pray. We're going to jump into the word together. Uh, Jesus, thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. Um, Jesus, it's such a precious gift that has often been misunderstood. And Lord, what I want for us this morning, God, I, if any of us have wrestled with a sense of shame, uh, like we haven't read enough or we haven't, we haven't responded to you quite right way, God, would you break the power of that over us? Lord, would, would we hear this morning an invitation from heaven? to learn about the mysteries of God, the story of God, and how we fit in it. God, I just, you you are still working, and you're still calling, and you're you're inviting us into something that is beautiful and powerful and fresh. And your word is one of the ways that we discover who we are in you. So, Lord, my prayer as we talk is that you would let a passion for your word begin begin to well up inside of each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, um, I shared with you the story out of Luke chapter 4 of Jesus being baptized, being filled with the Holy Spirit, finding himself in the wilderness, coming out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to declare in the community in which he was raised the truth of the Word of God. He, he stands up and he reads from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the captives, proclaim freedom. And he goes on and on and on, and he, he, he begins to outline how there is a mission that God has gifted him in, that he is stepping, we, we talked about him crossing the Jordan River out of the wilderness and into wonder, out, out of a place of wandering and into a place of purpose. And, and we talked together about how it feels as if we as a church are in a similar place where, where God is inviting us out of the wilderness and into his promises, into his purposes. And that for us to do that, in order for us to position ourselves in such a way that we are ready to respond when the Holy Spirit says, now do this, we needed to pay attention to a couple things. And we, we started a series called First Things First. We talked last week about the Word of God, how we got it how it's framed, as the story leading up to Jesus, the, the story of Jesus, and then the epistles, which are the story of how you and I live on, on mission with Jesus. We talked about how the, the apostles wrote under the direction of the Holy Spirit. I, I think we covered how we got the Bible. What I want to talk to you about this morning is why we should read the Bible. And I want to talk about reading it, uh, it's kind of a church word, devotionally reading it in a, in a personal way so we, by the Holy Spirit, can engage with God. Now, in some of my earlier years, some of my younger years, my approach to Scripture was that it is a discipline, and it is. And I had a friend one tell me, once tell me, John, there's no discipleship without discipline. But I thought that, that the, the opportunity to read the Word was, was almost like, I think I called it a God tax last week. It's like one of those things I have to do to keep God happy with me. And if I can get five out of seven days, or man, if, if one week I can get seven out of seven, God's really going to be happy with me, and I'm going to be doing this Christian thing right. But that's not why we read the Word. We don't read the Word to keep God happy. 
we read the word to grow in relationship with Jesus because he is a God who is alive and active and on mission. He has created us for a particular and a unique purpose. And it's as we engage with his word, as we spend time with him, we come to understand the mission of God in the world today, and we understand our place in it. And I would submit to you that we will never be as fulfilled We will never be as joy-filled as we become when we begin to live into the purposes of God for which you and I were created. Scripture says you and I were fearfully, wonderfully made, handcrafted in our mother's womb. We were made with intention. And God has not only intention, but purpose for us. He goes on to say every day that... uh, Every day of ours was ordained before one of them came to be. God has set us on a path, set us on a trajectory as, gosh, I can't even find the right word, like kingdom-extending, world-changing missionaries. There, there, is this, there is this opportunity for you and I to engage on mission with Jesus. And it is the most astounding, most amazing, most miraculous, most generous thing that God could ever do for us. If you, if you think for a moment about the God of creation who spoke the universe into being, for some reason, now as he wants to work on earth today, he has chosen in his infinite wisdom and incredible grace to do it not simply by speaking things into existence, but by working in and through you and working in and through me. I call this the privilege of of partnership. What God wants to do in the world today, hear me, what God wants to do in the world today, he wants to do through you. And one of the lies from hell is that you aren't capable or you aren't called. And yet as as we meet with Jesus in his word, we begin to discover who we truly are in Christ. We begin to discover what he is doing and where we can join him. And when I understand that the gift of spending time with God in his word is for that purpose and not simply to check a box so God is happy with me, I'm much more inclined to engage it. Now, I have a study Bible my parents gave me when I, when I went to Bible college, and it's like, it's like that thick. Like it's, it's, it's great if you want to hit somebody with it. Uh, obviously, it's great if you want to learn um, you could probably jack your car up and, and keep it up with a couple of these Bibles. I mean, it's big. And so you could look at that Bible and go, I am intimidated by that. That is a really big, big document. How could I ever come to the place where I'm able to engage or even master or kind of understand it? Let me put your mind at ease. Teaching you about Jesus is the Holy Spirit's job. Teaching you about the things of God and how you relate to him. That burden does not come to rest on you. This is the role, it's the ministry, it's the function of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says to his disciples in John 14, verse 26, he says, all of this I've spoken while I'm still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you, say teach you. That's his job. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What does that mean? It means that as I spend time in God's word, getting it into me, the Holy Spirit not only helps me to understand it, 
But in the moments where I may be at a crossroads or even, heaven forbid, in crisis, those moments where I need to make a decision and I'm not sure what decision to make, the Holy Spirit will remind me of what Jesus has to say about this. As long as I am getting the word into me. Jesus didn't say the Holy Spirit is going to force feed you my word. But one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to remind us of what Jesus has taught. So if I read about what Jesus has taught, when I need to access it, it's the job of the Holy Spirit to bring it back to the forefront of my mind. Let's go on. He, he says more. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak what's on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He'll tell you about the future. He'll, he'll bring glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and this is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. This is the job of the Holy Spirit. I have a younger brother, Matt. He's about four years. It's actually pretty weird. He's four years, four months, and four days younger than I am. Uh, also a heck of a lot smarter and a lot taller. Um, he's an author, and he writes incredibly well. But he wrote this book that was like 9 million pages. And, I mean, it was a tome. It was really thick. And I didn't get it. Like, I'm reading the book, and I'm trying to capture. I'm like, bro, what's, what's going on here? So I sit, and I talk to my brother, and he explains every part of his book, how the individual parts are important, and how all of the parts matter to the whole. And now, because I've got access to the author of the book, I go, oh, this is what we're talking about. That's the Holy Spirit in relation to the Bible. You and I have access to the author of the book, and it's his job to make sure that we're able to understand what it is, what we're reading. He teaches you, singular, what you need to know. It's profoundly personal. I, I remember when we were living in Everett, I was, um, I was talking to this guy, and, and he was new in his faith. He was just learning how to follow Jesus, and he was, he was really struggling. I'm like, bro, do you read your Bible? I mean, talk to me about that, that experience. And he's like, it's not a good one. I'm like, oh, appreciate the honesty. Let's talk. So we sat down over coffee, and, I, and I'm trying to get to the, the, the root of why he's really struggling. And he goes, it just doesn't work. I always get it wrong. Like, you always get it wrong? Like, that, I, that's one I haven't heard before. I'm like, well, well, tell me more about that. And he goes, well, my wife and I sit down, and we're, we're on the same reading plan, and so we, we read the same passage, and then we, we kind of journal about it, and then, and then we share what, what we saw there. And every time I get it wrong. Like, I still don't get it. What do you mean you get it wrong? And he goes, well, she'll go first, and she'll read what she saw, what she wrote, and that's not what I saw. And I'm tired of getting it wrong, so I'm just kind of giving up. Like, no, 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 no. The Word of God is alive and active, and it's sharper than a two-edged sword, and it penetrates. I'm like, bro, God talks to you about you, and he talks to your wife about her. So what you are hearing from Jesus by the Holy Spirit is right. You cannot get it wrong. It's a profoundly personal experience. So what kinds of things are the Holy Spirit teaching us? What is it that he does? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me. You doing okay so far? With me? All right. You must remain faithful, Paul tells them, to the things you've been taught. You know they're true, for you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation. 
that comes by trusting in Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God. We read this verse last week. It's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. A couple of things in there that Paul tells Timothy the Holy Spirit is going to do when we sit down with him, and we are sitting down with him, to engage with the word of God. The first thing he says is, you're going to find the wisdom that leads to salvation. Now, this means more than you are going to understand how to pray a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart to be forgiven for your sins. As we read Scripture, we begin to fully understand just what it was that Christ did on the cross, how evil was defeated, and what it means that you and I can live as new creations. All of that is tied up in the term salvation, saved from and saved for. And Paul is telling Timothy, as you read the word, as you study scripture, you begin to understand what God has provided for you and what you are now capable of that you were not before. Then he goes on and he says, the Holy Spirit is going to teach us what is true. There's There's this prayer that Jesus prays in John chapter 17. It's called the high priestly prayer. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And this is the last thing he says to the father about his disciples, and he says, sanctify them by the truth. Then he says, your word is truth. What's truth? The word. You're with me. I know you are. By faith. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. The word to sanctify just means to become more like Jesus. And so he is saying, as we spend time in the word, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he begins to shift, he begins to change our character until we become more like Jesus. There are a lot of people who are proclaiming that they know and they speak the truth. Uh, for those of you around my age who still are on Facebook, uh, all you got to do is open and scroll, and there are a lot of truth tellers out there, most of whom need to just whoop, And Scripture is saying, in the midst of all of the confusion and the different voices that are saying, this is right, this is right, this is true, this is true, the Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God, will cut through the clutter and cut through the noise and communicate truth to you. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And again, you will see this over and over in Scripture, this this becoming more like Jesus as we're exposed to the word is distinctly tied to mission, to what we do. We don't just become to be holy over here in a box. We're transformed by the Spirit of God that we might engage in the mission of God. Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, I'm sending them. There is a unique and distinct link between our engagement in Scripture and our being released into the purposes of God. Here's the second thing, the third thing he says, excuse me. Holy Spirit makes us realize what's wrong. The Holy Spirit shines his light on the places in our lives that are out of step with the character of Christ or the purposes of God. And you might might say to me, John, that doesn't sound like fun. You're saying one of the things that happens as I sit down and I read the Bible is I start coming to understand what's wrong about me? Yes. Now, why would God do that? Because he loves you and the things that are out of step with the character of Christ in our lives are hindering us from becoming who we are designed, who we have been created to be. Scripture says it's the kindness of God 
that leads us to repentance. It says God disciplines those he loves like like a father, the child that they delight in. There is this this moment of encounter with God where he will say, John, this this is not like what you just read and what's going on in you. Those are kind of out of sync. And so I want to invite you to bring your behavior or your thinking into alignment with my word because you become healthy and you become whole at that point, and then you get to live the kind of life that I have always intended for you. Another way of saying that is we don't just read the word. The word reads us. It's that passage again, Uh, Hebrews 4.12. Scripture is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. God, by his spirit and in his love, uses his word just to shine the places, shine on places in my life that are out of step. But he doesn't leave us there. The next thing Paul says he does is he teaches us what's right. John, this is how you live as my child. This is... This is how we deconstruct some of the lies that have been built up in your thinking. Any of you have an inner monologue sometimes? Like a shame voice that talks to you and it's not super kind? Usually starts, gets your attention by, hey, loser. Anybody? Just just me? Man, I get that all the time. Well, as I spend time in the Word, I learn to distinguish that that voice, that voice is the voice of hell. And what those thoughts are saying about me are not what God, by his spirit and in his word, are saying about me. God's word says I'm redeemed. God's word says I'm holy. God's word says I've been made righteous. God's word says I've been given the mind of Christ. God says I've been hidden with God in Christ. God's word says I have been given robes of righteousness. And so if you don't know what's true, you'll believe the lie. So God has given us the gift of his word so we might understand what's true and prove the lie to be a lie. Sorry, I'm getting excited. I know you don't like it when I do that. Here's here's the last thing that that passage says. To equip and prepare us for every good work. Again, the Holy Spirit is helping us become more like Jesus as we spend time in his word so we can join Jesus on mission. If you come from a tradition that says being Christian is boring, if you come from a tradition that says being a person of faith means that you're static and you sit around all day, I need to disabuse you of that notion because the people of God have always been people on mission and in motion. God has always had plans that are bigger than our understanding. His faith has always been greater than ours, but his plan is to work on earth through people. The God who spoke the universe into being has decided that how he wants to work on earth today is through you. You hear me? I don't think you believe me. The God who spoke the universe into existence, he simply said, let there be and there was, has determined by his infinite wisdom and great grace that the work he wants to do on earth today, he's not doing the same way. He's doing it through you and he's doing it through me. And so the Bible says, as I spend time with God in his word, I am equipped and I am prepared for every, not a couple, every good work. So the gift of God's word, again, is to release me, not to confine me. 
It's not a book of don't do's. It's a book of what is possible in God. This is what I want you to capture about spending time with God in his word. If your history has made Bible reading a guilt-driven exercise, I have to do it or God's going to be mad at me. I want to break that off of you. It's not meant to be a burden. It does require discipline but it's meant to be a joy and release you in kingdom things that you can't discover any other way. All right, thank amen to that. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so if, for example, say you're sitting here today and you're like, okay, John, you got my attention. All right, I I will consider that maybe you know a little bit about what you're talking about. What do I do? How do I start? Are you ready? This is super complicated. Step one, get a Bible. If you do not have a Bible, a Bible will be provided for you free of charge. We will get you a Bible. What Bible should I get? Listen, John, there there are like 9 million translations of the Bible. This is true. Maybe not 9 million, more like 8 million. Here's what you need to know. Every translation of the Bible, be it in English, Spanish, German, Russian, any any translation of the Bible into a contemporary language has as its origin the same source Greek text or the same source Hebrew text. They are all going back to the same source material. And then they are translating. They are not interpreting. Say not interpreting. These are not interpretations of Scripture. These are translations of Scripture that are intended for a unique purpose or a unique audience. Let me give you a for instance. The King James Version of the Bible was written in, was translated in 1611 into the King's English. And at the time, it was an incredibly effective translation. But over time, language has changed. When is the last time you used thee or thou in casual conversation? Or said, saith. Did you go home and saith to thy wife that she shall? No, we don't talk like that anymore. So new translations of the same source material were produced in contemporary language. Now, I'm I'm going to talk about um, a couple of translations that I have read in English. Why am I going to talk about English? Because English is my mother tongue. I have studied another language. I've forgotten most of it. But I read my Bible in English because it comes natural to me. So this is true if you read the Bible in Spanish, if you read the the, the Bible in, in German. The New American Standard, for example, when they were translating the New American, how many of you guys grew up with the New American Standard? Like that was my dad's Bible. That's 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 if if you quote a scripture from the New American Standard, you'll take me right back to third grade. I remember it. It's awesome. The New American Standard was a thought. Excuse me. Was a a, a word for word translation because the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek, and those sentence structures don't correlate necessarily to Spanish or German or English. We have taken some creative liberties about where we put the words. Now, the New American Standard may feel awkward to some of us because it's written in a way that we don't really talk. So let me give you an example. I picked a scripture that's not super complicated, so it's not going to sound too weird. But this is Colossians 1, 15 through 17 in the New American Standard. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heaven and on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Great. 100% true. The New Living Translation is not a word-for-word translation from the Greek. It's a thought-for-thought translation. So let me read you the same thing in a different translation. This is the New Living. Christ is the visible image of the invincible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Same source text, same Greek, but instead of giving a word-for-word translation, they're giving a thought-for-thought translation. Then you have the NIV, the New International Version, which has tried to live as a happy medium, halfway between thought-for-thought and halfway between word-for-word. And they say this, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Each of these translations say it a little bit differently, but can you see how they are all saying the same thing? What works best for you? Find that translation and read that translation. Now, if you are a stickler and you're like, John, I want the best translation. I'm only going to read the best translation. I will tell you the best translation. Are you ready? No? The best translation of the Bible is the one that you will actually read. Should I say it again? Best translation of the Bible is the one you will actually read. They're all good. So get a Bible. Number two, get a journal. Why would I get a journal? Every time I sit down to read the Bible, I expect to hear from God. If it's worth God saying, it's probably worth me remembering. I have a lousy memory. Ergo, I will write in my journal what I feel like God is saying to me. John, I have a notes app on my phone. So do I. Why would I advocate for a journal? Because when I am reading my Bible on my phone or taking notes on my phone, I am holding in my hand the greatest temptation to my attention span in the history of humanity. And between you and me, I'm just not that disciplined. Like, in the beginning was the word, and the word was, hold on, who won that game? And I'm, I'm off. Like, I'm like, oh, sorry, Jesus, I'm back. And then if I forgot to take, turn my notifications off, you know, oh, you have a text message. Well, I, that could be an emergency. I got to read that. For me, it's a journal. For you, whatever it's going to be, it should be a journal. Now, I'm not, different generations record things different ways. Um, Do what works for you as long as you'll do it. Uh, Number three, pick a reading plan. Um, The Bible app, uh, as I've just told you not to use your phone, um, has a million of them. And they're all good. Just pick the one that seems to work best for you. But here's my encouragement. Make sure your reading plan is you reading the Bible, not somebody else's devotional thoughts about the Bible. I I read those too. I mean, sometimes I'll be doing my devotions and I'll pull out like a commentary because I want to know what they think about the passage. But primary is always my engagement with Jesus in the Word. Um, Where are we at? Four? Uh, Set a time without distraction. What's the best time to spend with God? Whatever time you're at your best. I'll tell you when I'm not at my best. 10 o'clock at night. 
There was a season, uh, a period of time where I thought, I'm just going to spend time with Jesus before I go to bed every night. I would get in my bed, under my covers, open my Bible, and I mean, just, like, I love you, Jesus, but this is, I mean, I would wake up, like, you know, we like drool, and, and you're like, oh, well, that, that wasn't so much of a holy moment. Um, do what works best for you. I get up pretty early in the morning, and I go to the gym, come home, take a shower, eat, come in here to the office before anybody else is here. And that's when I spend time with Jesus, because that's what works for me. Do what works for you. And uh, here's number five. Start. John, I've failed so many times. I don't care. Just start. John, I, you know, you journal and you write the date, and then I go back and I see how many days it's been since I last journaled, and then I feel guilty and I give up. Stop writing the date. I mean, if writing the date makes you feel guilty when you go back, stop writing the date. There's nothing magical about the date. I don't write the date. Because <laughs> I got tired of feeling guilty. It's an invitation. All right, let me talk to you for just a second before we go home about one of the plans uh, that we use here. It is, it is really easy. Um, it's really consistent. If you want a journal that, that has this plan in it, we have available at guest services for like five bucks a pop. Um, and we can get you some other materials too, like uh, bookmarks to keep in your Bible. Um, it's, it's the SOAP acrostic, S-O-A-P. Um, I'm sure if you've been in the life of our church for any length of time, you've probably heard this. Uh, Wayne Cadero developed it. There is a, a certain amount of scripture that we will read, and then S stands for, who knows? Scripture. What scripture stands out to you? This is, this is where I'm looking for that moment of engagement where with everything I read, there is something that God wants to say to me. Do you remember the story of Jesus on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24? He meets these guys and he starts talking to them out of scripture and then he, he disappears. And it says in 2430, these guys are talking and they said, when he was at the table, oh, sorry, when he was with the table, at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. Their eyes were open, they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? As Jesus is talking to them about the scriptures, something stirs inside of them. Whatever it is that is stirring, whatever it is that captures your attention, write it down. If it stands out to you, trust that that's the Holy Spirit and write it down. Because whose job is it to teach you? It's the Holy Spirit's job. So don't stress on it. Oh my gosh, is this it? Is it not it? Is it God? Is it not God? Is it just me? Listen, if it, if it catches your attention, just trust that's the Holy Spirit communicating to you. And then O stands for what? What's happening here? I was, I was reading, you know, the story of the, the, the woman who was, she had a, an illness and she was hemorrhaging blood in, in Mark chapter 4. And if you remember the story, my paraphrase, um, she's in her house because she's considered ceremonially unclean. If she leaves her house, she's going to be stoned to death. And she hears that Jesus is out and about in the town. Bible says she spent all of her money on doctors. So she's not only sick, um, she's poor. And she decides that nothing is going to keep her from Jesus. So she goes out in the crowd, reaches out, pushes through everybody, grabs the hem of his garment, and she's healed. Jesus stops, says, somebody touch me. Peter says, are you crazy? Everybody's touching you. Jesus says, no power has gone out from me. And he stops and finds her and says, woman, your faith has healed you. 
So if I'm reading that story and I write one of those verses down, my observation might be this woman did not let fear keep her from the presence of Jesus and the miracle she needed. That might be my observation. Super simple. What's going on? This woman didn't let fear keep her captivated. She pressed through. Well, once I've found a scripture and I've found an observation, then I want a point of application. How am I going to be different because of what I read today? If I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to bring this to my attention, what is he showing me and why? So again, if that was my my scripture, my application might be, I'm not going to keep quiet when I feel like Jesus is telling me to talk about him. I'm not going to let fear keep me from moving where Jesus is moving. And then the P would just be a prayer. Praying in response to this encounter I've had with the Lord. And I'll write that as well. God, give me the courage to push through the crowds like this woman did. God, give me the courage to reach for you when fear would hold me back. Don't let fear hold me back. That's it. I've read scripture. I've made an observation. There's a point of application. And I simply pray at the end, God, help me to walk this out. Does this make sense? Are you hearing why I'm excited about this for you? I don't need you to come and show me your journal with all the boxes checked. I want you to come to me and go, you know what? I'm discovering as I read the word that God has plans for me, and they're pretty stinking cool. I'm discovering that even when I face challenges, they are not going to hold me back because I read the other day that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we'll high-five and we'll celebrate, and it's going to be awesome. This is why we read the word. It's a gift. I've got a whole other page of notes that I'm not getting to. And it has to do with a, 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 a devotional practice called the examine prayer. But don't worry, I'm going to talk to you about it next week because next week we're going to start talking about prayer. And so this is a great thing to bring back. W- would you stand to your feet with me? I just, I want to pray a commissioning prayer over you and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to make you so excited about reading the Bible that you just can't stand it. God, you are a good God who have, you have given us not only your very life as you laid it down, you've given us not only your Holy Spirit, but you've deposited to us the gift of your word. Lord, and in the words of Peter, when you said, are you going to bail too? He said, God, to whom else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You haven't withheld them, God, but you have gifted them to us as your sons and your daughters to help us grow in our faith, to grow in our understanding, to grow into our calling and discover our purpose. So I speak life right now in the name of Jesus over every person who is considering whether or not to spend time with you in the word. God, for any of us for whom this has been a guilt-based or shame-fueling experience in the past, break that off, cast that aside. Let us hear your invitation to grow in relationship with you that we might discover the fullness of who you are and who you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.